0: We were people who valued joy. As crazy as it was, as stupid as it was, as all the dumb stuff that there that, that was, that I'm sure we didn't get to the airport without driving there. All of the stories, all of the vague memories that go with that particular trip, you know, come rushing back to me today as I'm thinking about that. And just, you know, tears in my eyes and how much he
1: ha-
2: has added to my life. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety.
0: Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Uh, my emotional sobriety, Dr. Alan Berger's emotional sobriety, your emotional sobriety. Uh, we're, we're here again and... Uh, um, Uh, Alan, this is a big this is a big uh, day, big weekend for you. You're moving, right? Oh Lord knows I need some emotional surprise. (laughs) I mean it's being
3: it's being put to the test. (laughs) Oh I did this whole publishing this book. I'll tell you, Tom. You know some of the behind the scenes on this somebody up there might be thinking, well, you know, he wrote this book. Let's see if he can actually apply these principles in his
0: life. And yeah. Say- to- and we go Oh no, 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 Totally different. That's a, that's a, that's a, that'll be another book down the line. When, when I learned how to read my own book, I'm sure you're being faced with in, in, you know, cause you know, one of the things that I always say is anybody can have a good day on a good day. and, and the other piece is you're going through, you know, positive stress. And yes, it's, it's that's like, right. it's like, but, but one of the things that that we'll ha- notice that people will do, they'll feel guilty when they're, when they're feeling a lot of stress with positive stress going like, no, no, that's real stress. It's like you do, you know, now, if you tend to be like me and have, you know, have come from a, a from a long line of negative thinkers, you have to be really careful about not dro- drop back into acting like something, you know, you're being victimized by, by somebody who's making you have right. this wonderful change in your life. But, but, but it's it's it is good to remember that this is something that I want to do and that we're we're excited about. But no, it's I mean, well, I listen, mean you're, you're, mo- you're, moving you're, is hard. Oh, moving. But look, you, you, that
3: is a, an essential point that you and I talk about a lot. Is that when I do things because I want to do them, then I'm grounded at least that that mm-hmm. I, I'm I've got yeah. a better stance to absorb all of the stress that's going to come from like this decision to move back to Pennsylvania. I want to do this. I've decided to do this. I've been sad about doing it. I've had all these different things. It's, it's, I mean, interesting. I just thought when you said, you know, this is a positive stress when I was in graduate school um, stress, you know, looking at life, life, uh, stressful life events is the way this title of this book was Mm -hmm and these were the guys that did the research about correlating stress to illnesses right mm-hmm. chronic illnesses all kinds of different issues and they did the research just along the lines that you talked about is they had a scale where they rated stressors in our life mm-hmm. mild stressors were things like you're late to get to your doctor's appointment for example mm-hmm. that got a, a rating between 0 and 20 let's say mm-hmm getting married Mm -hmm. 90 points (laughs) on the stress scale wow getting a new job that you love 90 points because what they Mm -hmm. said was that anything that moves you from your homeostasis whether it's in a positive direction or negative is stressful because you're off that baseline
0: Mm -hmm. because because human beings do not do, do we naturally we do not do well with change Even if it's changed, we're, we're, we seek and are pursuing. It's like, and we need, we, and that's part of compassion for ourselves to realize, you know, it's no, we need that. We still need to do the the cognitive part of, of, of reframing that stuff and being sure that we are seeing the positive of that stuff. But, but, but it's not, it's, you know, that doesn't happen automatically. Our default settings don't change. It's like the reflex is still the same. And I believe that that particular setting is, is, uh, let me look it up. Uh, Here it is. Oh shit. Yeah.
3: Is that- <laughs> you know, it. But you know, what you said, you're right, because, see, we naturally want to go back to our equilibrium. I mean, yep. that's the state that we want to go. Of course through. we do. Yeah. You know, it, and that makes sense. It, it's not that. See, it, it, I love to think of it that way because it's not that we're resistant to change. It's just that we're wired to to establish an equilibrium.
2: So mm-hmm. whenever
3: you start to create that change, whatever it is, positive or whatever negative issue, you're going to mm-hmm. be off that baseline you're on. And like well, you said, we can right. have some compassion towards ourselves and to just embrace right. that, look, even though this is something I want, it can still be stressful for me
0: it right mean- well and when we're part of what we're changing is our is our we're, ch- we're changing the definition of our terms for stress stress has you know the word stress has a negative connotation across the board not necessarily it's just something that is it's it's not taking stress personally is part of what what this whole this whole thing is about and you say re- we not resist change it's like well we do, do this is where it comes down to the language yeah we resist change but but well, we well, you and I I talk about is how, let's understand why we resist change how that how that process works because again the word resistance especially in our business has a very negative connotation with a lot of our colleagues you know it was you know and i always say like if you if you're complaining about your client being resistant that is like you know being a being an oncologist complaining that your your patients have cancer you know it's like no this is what this yeah. is what oh, we God. address in <laughs> It's but so that's how you can, absurd
3: it is. I mean, it really right. is that absurd. I right. mean, really you clear
0: is. that cancer up, you come back and we will, do, that's we will right. talk. We can, like... we can help you,
3: you know, go ahead. And, and look, how many people are thrown out of treatment mm-hmm. programs for that very reason? Oh, God. I you know. I I mean, this is one of the things and I know it drove you crazy, just like it drives me crazy mm. when I'm training staff and they want to label someone as the problem or they're not ready to get well. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'd rather think of it as I'm not so sure how to meet them to stoke their fires that would get them interested. Well, interest right. well
0: them. it's it's the the Richard Bandler quotation that you know that that we 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 refer to often, which is no such thing as resistant clients only inflexible therapists, yeah. and it's. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that the, the idea that is what we treat, that's why, I, that's why I wrote that uh, you, the recovery decision uh, manuscript that, you know, that, I, that I've shared with you some is, yes. is because that's, it's about helping people through their own resistance. Yeah. It's like, because the idea, rather than being in that old model, which is the therapist in the treatment program represents, basically, we're like, we're supposed to sell recovery. Yes, And we're supposed to meet the objections and talk, talk the client into recovery and clients, a lot of times, but I'm not, not just in treatment centers, but I, I see them in therapy that way where they kind of come in with that and that, that expectation, you know, I have, I'm sure you've gotten this a lot, but through the years I have um, people go like, well, I was referred to you because somebody said you'd see through my bullshit. And, and I go like, Okay, well, why would I need to see your bullshit? You know, why don't you just tell me what, what is oh, nice. you want, what's going on? And it's like it's like they come in kind of set up for this game, and I'm you know, and I'm going like, well, let's do it differently.
3: Fritz Perls, who the founder of Gestalt mm-hmm. therapy, when he'd sit down with someone for the first time, he's look, I'm going to save you some money and some time Love because it. if there's a part of you that wants to come in and prove to me how smart you are and how stupid I am. You don't have to do that. I know I'm stupid already, so mm-hmm. we can cut through that bullshit and let's just talk about what's going on
0: and that I you need that. help with. Skip, up, <laughs> see, skip about the first six months of therapy right there. It's like just <laughs> it's like... Fat, fast forward. It's that is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, that's I tell you, I tell you what, Alan, I, I could use some therapy All today. Right, oh, let's do All it. Right? And I think I, and I watch this. I can make it fit into our, our podcast because it is about emotional sobriety and, and, it's interesting because it's, I'm sitting here, let me see if I can nutshell this. It's like I'm sitting here in a witness position with two friends today. One is you who is going through this, this change we're talking about now and is in, including you know, everything that's happening with your new book, your new publishing company, your, 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 all this amazing stuff happening, your new move, uh, your, your wonderful family. And uh, and uh, my other friend, I just got a a text from his uh, wife, uh, one of my very best friends in in Dallas, Texas, uh, is is uh, is now back home from the hospital and uh, hospice is at his home because he's dying of uh, pancreatic cancer and And it's just that I just got that information. I realized I was, I was, I was walking upstairs to do this. I was thinking, there's no way I'm not going to talk about this because, because it's just right there on my heart. And, and, um, but it's, but you know, it's, I got to tell you though, through this year of walking through this stuff with, with emotional sobriety with you has given, you know, certainly given me some new stuff and, and reminded me of some old stuff. I sent a message back to thank his wife and, and, uh, and I, and he and I, we, we text like little teenage girls, you know, back and forth we have for years and, and, uh, and, um, and I haven't heard, and I realized I hadn't, I've been texting him and, and, uh, he, he stopped wanting to talk on the phone. We did some FaceTime stuff for a while, but he stopped wanting to do that. He's in a lot of pain. So therefore a lot of medication, some man pain man, uh, management, And, uh, and I looked back and realized my own denial when I realized he was with hospice, I looked and I said, Oh shit. You know, it's been, it was almost a month before that, that he didn't respond to any of my texts and except for one text, he sent me a last week, which was because I just basically pleaded with him, please just let me hear from you. And he just, he just sent a text that said, I'm here. And, um, and so I just sent him back a text now, just basically the, you know, um, I see that I'm here is still true and here that it's not going to be for long. And, and, So I just told him, I'm not going to stop texting you. It's like, you don't have to read them. You don't have to get them. You don't have to respond to them, but it's like, it's, it's therapy for me to do that. And so I just, I just, I just wrote him a long text about, um, about what he means to me. So anyway, that's I'll, I'll stop. I don't have any end to that, that whole paragraph because it's, but, but it is, it does occur to me that I'm watching these two very intensive experiences with two very good friends, very close friends, people I love very much. And it's, it's like, and I am simultaneously absolutely celebrating with you and, and 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 grieving for myself and grieving for my friend. His name's Tom also. Well, tell us about Tom. What, what, when did you meet him? What, what is he meant? To uh, we, uh, he was, uh, I met, I met, uh, and, I was, and we'll, we'll call him Wellfelt because that's what I call him. So it's like, we've never, we never gotten, you know, we, we were college friends. So we never, we, I, we never used our, our first names ever. I don't think so. I was, you know, I, I mean, for, for many years, I I was rut. That was it. It was, I wasn't even in my full last name. I was for all those people. I'm just rut and he's well felt and hilarious man. Um, and I met him. He's, he's t- two years older than me. So back in those days when I went to college, you know, two years is a, a, a difference. It's like, but he was in, he was in a fraternity that I, that I, that I joined. Uh, um, we had, we had, we, I went to a small school, a liberal arts school in Texas. Uh, it, it was, uh, these weren't national fraternities. These were, these were lo- local, you know, I think they think they were distantly related to that stuff, but basically they were drinking clubs, you know, and, 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 and so we all had people to to drink with and places to go. And uh, but it was uh, a wonderful experience and bonding experience. And he, he, uh, um, he he and I became friends, friends fairly early on in in the process, even when I was a freshman, and be, and became closer friends later on, and um, grew up very different than me. Well, we have a lot of common family-wise, but but grew up different in Dallas, and is in the oil was in the oil business. And uh, uh, you know, he uh, one of my favorite stories about Tom is that uh, one, one. I have a lot of well, we have nothing but drunk stories that, that basically we tell. Is like, but my, one of my favorite ones was one night we were drink we were drinking. Um, You can, you can, you, (laughs) Patrick's going to get on here in a little bit and say, don't, don't tell your drunk stories. It's like, but I, but, but, but but he's not here right now. He's, he's, he's just listening. So so, so, so get one in. It's like, so we're sitting around and he, and he, we're, we're, we're drinking as much as we can possibly knock back. And, and he starts to tell me about seeing Don Ho in Honolulu, you know, one time he's, you know, Don Ho, tiny bubbles, you know, it's like, like, so we got to drink some more. And I said, well, let's go you know, you know, you know, and, and because he had money, I didn't, it's like, like I had no money at all. But, 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 um uh, this is, this is the generosity and the spontaneity of, of well is he, so you know, and I the memories I have of this are extremely vague. I do ha, I do admit that. It's like there's they're foggy. But but I do know that that he, you know, it didn't take much. He said, okay, let's go. So now it back in that was like in 74, something like that. It's like like uh um that's 1974. And but the uh <laughs> Some people might think it's 18 for us. Yeah, 18. It's like, no, no, it's, it was 1974. It wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't seem that long ago. We got the tickets that day. It was, it was like, we were, we were day drinking then. And it was and by the evening we had our tickets, we were, we were, uh, in, in the Dallas airport, uh, and, uh, and taken off to Honolulu. Um, he said, he said, he said, I'll tell you what I said, I don't have any money. He, he said, you get, you pay, you pay for, uh, you pay for your hotel and food and I got everything else. So so I went to my bank account, took every bit of money I had out. I mean, literally all of it, <laughs> and said, "Let's go." And so so we took off, and we were going to go for a day, and then come right back. And of course, we stayed three or four days. I think if we look back, we we can see that. But it was uh, um, the th- to me that became the sort of a. Um, a way of, of understanding or or perceiving what that relationship was like. We, we were very different people in lots and lots of ways, but one of the things we have in common is that we really enjoy each other's company. And we, we both uh, we would both rather laugh than anything. Uh, And, and we're, we want, you know, fun, but you know, what we talk about here on the podcast with this stuff is we were people who valued joy. As crazy as it was, as stupid as it was, as all the dumb stuff that there that, that was, that I'm sure we didn't get to the airport without driving there. All of the stories, all of the vague memories that go with that particular trip, you know, come rushing back to me today as I'm thinking about that. And just, you know, tears in my eyes and how much he ha- has added to my life. You know, without internet, we we didn't have internet. When we got out of school. So we lost each other for many years. Yes. You know, we reconnected in 2007. Uh, and have stayed in touch ever since, and it's been a whole and it in very very shortly it stopped being about telling old stories, and it became about making new stories, yes, yes, and we've been making new stories since then,
3: yes, that's so cool, isn't it when that uh, happens in a relationship yeah. no there was a there was a certain connection that you guys had that just this was so meaningful for you. Though.
0: Well, we have it. It's like too, I always always want to speak in the present tense, to too, because and when I and one of the things I said to him and I think I said to his wife his wife in the text I to her is, you know, the thing that that I learned a long time ago, which is people die, but relationships don't. And and um, that, um, you know, that, you know, what I told her is, you know, it's so, I'll, you know, I'll be I don't know what happens when you die, but at least until that time, I'll be, you know, in, in, totally in a relationship with him and loving him and appreciating that and, and having having f- fond memories and even, you know, uh, it's even bring it up to date. It's sort of like. Yeah, because I, I, because nowadays you and I are old enough to where we have we have more dead friends than we want, then we then we actually. Yeah. And it's like so. But, we you know, I still have a present tense relationship with some of those guys. I like, sort of like, oh, this is what, this is what my friend Bindle would say here. Yeah. This is oh, I know what so and so would do in this situation. And it's, it's like it even it feels really present. So anyway, my, my heart's heavy, yeah, but, no, I, but it's I, also, it's, it, but it's also a weird kind of, you know, it's to do it. It's without drugs. It's, you know, I'm not, on, I'm not on any, or I should say I'm not on any drugs I'm not supposed to be on. Um, and uh, Dee calls it pro- properly medicated. All the alcohol and drugs that are not supposed to be in my system are not. And the ones that are, are it's like, but it's it, that when I, when I realized we were doing uh, uh, our podcast today it's like it just it put it put these two things in in just the same field of vision and um i'm i mean you tell well, me what well, i'm saying but, well, but it's well, like well, that's listen, it's just beautiful. what
3: you're saying and this is i think so important is that look when when someone is important to you like he is obviously is to you yes you guys have mm-hmm. all of these shared experiences mm-hmm the grief you feel is a celebration of that relationship. It just, it reflects how important he is to you. Mm -hmm. And the greater the pain, the greater the meaning, you know, the more grief there is, the more important that person was in our life and and, Mm seeing, you know, and I, I think it's so important that we don't run away from that because it is a reflection of that relationship. It's, I often think of it as an honoring of the relationship. Yeah, the grief is honoring what you guys have had, what you've shared together, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and right. expressing it and talking about it and sharing it with us. I mean, it's so you know, and that, this is the thing that I, I think people.
0: So it's part you know, of the love. It's, it is. It is it's not the separate from the love. love. It's part it, of the love. It
3: is exactly right, man. And see, love and hurts. Good love and mm-hmm. hurts a lot. I mean, and. We we want the fun part of mm-hmm. that, but this is the other part. I mean, if you open mm-hmm. your heart up, as you say, mm-hmm. you open your heart up to both sides. You're not just opening yeah. yourself up to the to the wonderful joy, the fun, the you know, spontaneity, mm-hmm. the craziness you guys have. I can see mm-hmm. you guys mm-hmm. I, I had this vision. <laughs> You guys are mm-hmm, on the plane smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes. You mm-hmm, got your cocktail in your hand and you're just cutting up on this plane.
0: There's, the- there, there's I was out there was a 747. There was a bar on this plane. Oh it's it's, <laughs> it's a, the bar. I was sitting at the bar, you know? <laughs> of course, you guys flew first class. I mean, how did you not? <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's thank, thank you. No, that, that's right. It's, it's, it's the, the grief is, the grief is just a really tough part of love, but, but you know what, I think, I'll I, I tell you what I think that, that I'm getting right now as I'm, as I'm presenting this at to, sharing it to you and other uh, and many others, hopefully if they're listening it's this, like is it's, I mean, and I, and I think the sadness, I know the sadness and the hurt and the pain will, will come too, but, but it's like, um, there's something about putting it in this, this vision, this field of vision that I have where I have my friends celebrating big changes and somebody, you know, on their way, on their way, wrapping their life up, their their human life. Uh, It's like, it's,
3: it feels okay. Yeah. It's opposite sides of the same coin. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's what you're really saying is this is Mm -hmm. life, you know, this is what we experience in our life. This is what happens. And, you know, you've heard me say if somebody comes into my office says, "Well, can you help me? You know, I want to, I want to be happy. Can you help me get happy in my life?" I said, mm-hmm.
0: "No." <laughs> what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Why not? Why,
3: why aren't you in the happy business? Mm-hmm. I said, "I'm in the. I want people to be alive business, and that means yeah. you'll be happy at times. Mm-hmm. You'll enjoy your life more fully, etc. But there'll be also times like you're going through, Tom, where it's yeah. totally yeah. appropriate." Right. To be melancholy, to to be, you know, reflecting on uh, your life. The other thing about your relationship that I really think is pertinent to what we've been talking about: mm-hmm. you didn't put a lot of expectations about what it should be like. You were together mm-hmm. for a period of time. You drifted apart. You reconnected. It was like there was a rhythm to life that you were just present to with
0: him, and you flowed with. Wow. That's, that's exactly right. Because if you, if you think about, I think about that now I could get into the the craziness of being, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, and I'm sure I had all kinds of uh, unemotional sobriety thoughts and stuff, but it's, it's like, I think, especially with relationships with my male friends, I think that's, that's a really interesting observation. Alan. there, the expectations are quite simple. They were, weren't they? I mean, look, yeah. you just said, yeah.
3: hey, man, when it makes sense for both of us, let's let's connect. There was no demand. There was no mm-hmm. we should be doing this. I mean, even when you said, I didn't hear any remorse or regret that you hadn't
0: connected sooner. This mm-hmm. is just
3: how things unfolded. And we mm-hmm.
0: just we just flowed with it. Right, and technology put us back in touch, and it's it's like, yeah, and and I do I do need to say this. Don Ho was in fact drunker than both of us, um, and he he sang one verse of Tiny Bubbles, and then he left. It's like, <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, the interesting thing
3: is my brother-in-law who mm-hmm. helped, you know, write we, we wrote song. the song with us. I, I think so. yeah. He was playing with Don Ho. He was on the stage with Don Ho and he might have been on the stage. Oh, my when you God. were back there. Kevin
0: Kevin and I may have Kevin been in the same office. room. That's right. <laughs> That's too cool. Well, the, the other piece about this is and it's just that that sort of existential fascination that, that we have anyway. so. So, OK, so we're in, in one of the ways we look at this, we have in this story. There's three old guys. There's you, me and and Wellfelt, And it's like. We each we, we're each we each in a part of the story here that I'm that I'm telling from my perspective. Yeah. It's like, but the other piece about this is about gratitude. Yeah. And the truth is, it's like any one of us could be in any one of these positions. I'm so happy that that you know that that you're going through a life enriching experience, yeah. in many ways and stuff. And, and it's and it's like and realize, okay, well we don't ever need to take that for granted. Yes. Because either one of us could be where he is. And we will be one day some, some, some form or another. And it's like that, that such is life. I'll say this. I love you very much. Well, I love you too, man. And I, I feel for you and what
3: you're going through Mm -hmm. you know, it's so interesting how our lives parallel so much through this whole thing because I got a call this, well, not a call. I got an email this morning that the woman who hired me and brought me out to California in 1973 you met uh, well felt. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. So 73. Well, I Jones. knew him, I knew him in
0: 73. So we were we were 71. already drunk. We were already drunk by that time. Yeah. Seven, so 73. <laughs>
3: Joan McCrae had heard I was a counselor at the Kaneohe Marine Corps Air Station, and she was trying to add a, a an adolescent and pre-adolescent family component to this outpatient program. She flew me out to interview me. They hired me and I moved out to California in 73 to start work working in the field while I was going to school to get my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. So I just heard this morning is that, well, and I knew last week Joan had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Um, She's, she's in her eighties now and Mm -hmm. she hasn't been doing well. She's transitioning from this Mm -hmm. life to whatever is next Mm -hmm. for her. And so I got a call this morning and said uh, that her daughter Jacqueline said, the hospice nurse told us that it's not going to be long now. So after our podcast, mm-hmm. one of the things I'll be doing tonight will be mm-hmm. driving over to Jones and saying my goodbye mm-hmm. to her. Oh, and yeah. so it's so funny that yeah. our lives intersect again amazing? In, yep. in these I get goosebump, in yeah, incredible ways. Like when we did the workshop, like when COVID hit and we started mm-hmm. talking, and then this happens. And now you're talking about your grief. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling my grief and, mm-hmm. and my incredible gratitude to this woman to give
0: this. You know, you know. Oh my gosh, she changed your. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's so many different ways we could go. Is there's, no, there's never just one way. But she 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 Thanks, was she life. changed your life. I mean. I tried to get a job as a counselor when I was in Chicago
3: at this place mm-hmm. called gateway mm-hmm. and I went and interviewed for him. And they looked at me and said, you know, you are one arrogant little shit They, you, 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 though so they were not-
0: perceptive.
3: <laughs> they, they, they did get that right. They say, you know, you got some balls coming here. You want to be a counselor. You got six months. You have no education. You're a high school dropout. And because you helped some people that came back from Vietnam, you think you could be a counselor in this program. And I go, did i miss something <laughs> it's like of course i thought i could i, I was doing a pretty well, and, and by the way you,
0: by the way you were right yeah <laughs> i mean i'd like to I I, like to point uh, that I'll out i'll tell
3: you i walked away from that saying oh my god man i better take school seriously because you need a ticket of admission to get into this club mm-hmm. and i certainly don't have it right mm-hmm. and then right. but then joan gave me that opportunity before I had that ticket, all I needed to have to work for her was the fact that I was in recovery. I worked with some of the people she worked
0: with, and they gave me a good recommendation. Wow. And now, that- but you know what? How cool is that? Because, because all the, the, the whoever that was that tells you you were an arrogant little shit, also because but when you said, I don't know, I don't know where, how all the, the, the neurons hooked up there for you, but it's like, one of the things I know about you, we we've joked, I've joked with you about it. It's like, is you took, you took your education A hell of a lot more seriously than i did and it's like you did take your 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 education seriously and and you and and as a result there is so much that there's a value there because of of the work that you've done academically and and it's and it's like so you know that's one of those weird things where you go like whoever whoever calls you the arrogant little shit well he was part of the thing he was part of the deal story
3: too oh listen i walked out of there and i I was humiliated but you know, this is part of emotional sobriety, isn't it? I mean, even your story is you Mm -hmm. didn't have these expectations. You Mm -hmm. were living emotional Mm -hmm. sobriety without even Mm -hmm. knowing it. Mm -hmm. So was I, because I took that experience and I said, well, that's not going to define me. They told me what I need to do. I can use the information. I feel bad that I didn't get hired, but I'm off to school. (laughs) I'm off to school. That's where I'm going. And when I moved out here, I had a Scholarship at the University of Illinois Chicago Circle campus that I chose not to take mm-hmm. because I wanted to work in the field for
0: yeah while I was going to school. And she was going to let you work, she was, she gonna, was, she was going to tra- boots on the ground t- training, absolutely, boots on the ground training. And I'm so grateful for that. But that's, I'm oh wow, be- and 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 so you're saying goodbye to her at the time that you move it out, out there because of the job and 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 you're saying goodbye to her as you leave as yes, i leave and how go back that. east
3: how about that i came out here from the east i go back mm-hmm. to the east after mm-hmm. saying goodbye it's like there's a this whole thing is that whole god i didn't put it together like that but mm-hmm. this is all that's
0: a completion isn't it mhm there's, there's yeah there's a, there's something complete about that wow yeah and and that's the place that's one of the places where it's like um you know, I always say, you know, hindsight, uh, accurate, decent hindsight, even maybe even helpful hindsight, I mean insight always comes from hindsight. It's it's like we, you know we, we we way overvalue our. This is one of the beliefs I have about myself and and other folks I've talked with is we way overvalue our conscious mind. We think we're we think our our brilliant insights are gonna are gonna ch- be what changes us, uh, you know, and you know they can help, but you know but you know we take we talk about that all the time. Concepts are useless until until we translate them to practice. That's one of the things we're working on with this with this podcast all the time, but but the idea is. Talk about letting go of expectations the only way you can see these stories in our lives and I mean maybe maybe it's important for us to see the stories or maybe it's just some universal th- little benefit that says well this will entertain these people while they're doing this they can tell stories about themselves that, that, that have little little connections and circles and and things like that but what, for whatever but they feel meaningful and and uh, and the only way we get there is by really holding a loose reins.
3: You said something else, Tom, that that really stood out that that I want to to highlight to everybody. When you were telling him that you were sending him these texts and you didn't get a respond Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. kept sending them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, that's another element of emotional sobriety. You were doing what you needed to do, regardless of whether or not he was able and capable of responding to you at the time. And like you said... If he was reading them, great. If they meant something to him, even better. But it also didn't matter, on right. the other hand, because you needed to say what you said to him. You needed to stay in contact with him, whether he was keeping in contact with mm-hmm. you during that time. And that is so important right. in that, right. you know, I I, I remember a therapy session i was having with dr kempler and i was pissed off at a contractor and stuff and i was on the phone with the guy and say you know you said you're gonna get these doors in and you know it's now it's three friggin' months and i got a plastic sheet in the, in my living room and i'm tired of this stuff and the guy mm. hang up hung up on me <laughs> and walter said to me well what did you do well i hung up he says what did you hang up for he said, you needed to keep talking, You needed to keep saying to him whatever you wanted to say, whether he says that's your problem, Alan, you got to have the other person on your phone, fo- on the phone and listening to you to take that's care beautiful. of your business. And I'm going, wait a minute. You mean I could keep he said, of course, you had things to say, whether he was listening to you or not. The point that's, is for you to say that stuff. That, and- that
2: that that
0: is officially my favorite Kempler story. One of the things I tell people all the time that you know when somebody has died after I'm talking, if we're doing some grief work in therapy, I'll say, "Do you still talk to them? And some people will, will just automatically say, well, "Yeah." And other people will look at you like what's great right? go like you know because they think you're supposed to stop what are you doing
3: right. it's
0: like yeah it's like it's like, no it's like yes, you're, you're right. not done the relationship goes on you have things to say
2: i think you guys have been touching on uh versions of an answer to this question for the entire hour but i just wanted to get this in here is that my dad's best friend just turned 80 and um he uh has been having a lot of mobility issues and my dad told me that he brought him a walking stick, like a special walking stick mm-hmm. to help him get around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my dad's been experiencing some cognitive decline and, you know, some issues that I can feel, I, I can tell that he's uh, dealing with a lot of like existential terror at, you know, what lies ahead. And uh, I guess my question to you guys is, you know, where does emotional sobriety come in um, when dealing with these questions of mortality and aging? And, you know, I mean, it no there's no one simple answer but you know how has it been coming up especially as it pertains to these loved ones of yours that you've been discussing well, i think
0: i think i well first of all i think that i mean that's that's a i started saying that's an episode into itself but i think it's a podcast into itself but it's it's um no, I like the question, because uh, one of the things f- for me is it's like that it's part of it all. I mean, one of the things that I you know, that that uh, my friend, my friend Wellfelt and I have have talked about and th- through the years is, you know, as uh, just the question of what do you think happens when you die? You know, now we we we're, we we be pretty fucking funny about it when we're we're talking about the things and and uh, we we you know we we both have the paperwork in to to have two more lifetimes together if there's reincarnation, uh and you know that's but, but it's like no but but there's a lot of seriousness in 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 those conversations that we've had and I I shared a little bit of that with his with his uh, wife when when she when she texted that that he and I had talked about that and we and, and I was saying that we hadn't figured it out, but um. But it's, I mean, to me, what it does is it just makes everything, and I mean this in a. It's going to. This is a word that kind of has a negative connotation, but it's it's it makes everything more everything more urgent in the sense of living in the moment, appreciating what what we have, and and just being aware that this is life. And you know, like I was saying, you know, makes me makes me focus more on loving you and Alan as we're sitting here having this conversation as we as we do this and uh, and grateful that that we're the three of us are sitting here and healthy and knowing that we're not always going to be,
3: you know, how do we face um, aging right and growing older and losing some of our abilities because, you know, there's no question that with aging certain things decline. You know, like, you know, you see with your father, right? That his memory is declining. Mm -hmm. If I gave somebody an an adult intelligence test, the same number of questions somebody would need to answer to get an IQ of 120 when you're 30 are decreased when you're 70 or 80. So if you need it, let's say 20 questions, correct. Let's say to get that 120 when you're 30, you need 10 when you're 70 or 80, right? Because they adjust it to our decline. There's a normal psychological, neuropsychological decline in our functioning. Our memories don't work as well. You know, our speed of our computational speed, processing speed, all of that slows down. But here's what I think a lot of people forget. Well, you know, aging is going to create a decline There's a part of us that can continue to grow and maybe better than ever before. Absolutely. Because we can't rely on our physical and mental. We have to not have to, but we have an invitation Mm -hmm. to look at things spiritually. Mm -hmm. And now at that stage of life, while our the bodies we're housed in are declining our spiritual life and connections mm-hmm. can grow like they've never grown before because we start to move beyond materialism, right? We move beyond this material world as, you know, living in a material world as George Harrison told us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> living in a material world. Well, that changes as you get older. You know, yeah. you're now living in a spiritual world. If you if you take that direction and, you know, and that's an interesting thing because Every man is going to hit a point in their life where everything that we were doing before that we were basing our sense of self on is no Mm -hmm. longer available like it was my, my ability to write or think or whatever it is, whatever my sense of self was anchored in is going to change. And there's three ways that guys respond to this, Patrick. One is guys deny it and they put on the purple robe At 80 years old, they do a commercial for Viagra, and they come down and and introduce everybody to their 21-year-old girlfriend. Hugh Hefner Mm -hmm. is a great example of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We call it the Peter Pan syndrome. Mm -hmm. I don't want to grow up. And he just Mm -hmm. denies what's happening in his life, and he's going to continue to be Peter. Other guys, they see this happening, and they become curmudgeons. The, you know, the icon of that is Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Walter right? Matthau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walter, well, well, that's exactly a great, <laughs> good example. Right yeah. now, we become these bitter old men. The, the first one, we become these foolish old men. Or now yeah. we become these bitter old men. And then some men choose the third alternative or the third possibility, which is to take the journey down. Mm-hmm. And to start deconstructing our life that was based on a certain set of ideas and principles and the, the man rules. but I think that that this subject would be worthy of a yeah. whole show.
0: Yeah, because one of the things you're talking about is is you know when you when you I mean it just came alive in me when you when you said you know some things with the decline of all these other things, some things are better than ever. it's like and I and I'm pretty sure the only way you, you get to really know, about the, this stuff is because you live long enough to feel it, to experience it. It's mm-hmm. like, other than the fact that I, you know, that, that I really don't want to, I don't want to be interrupted by, by death. And, I, you know, cause I'm having a good time in life. It, it's, it's like, I, I would be, I would be shocked if I went back in time and, and tell my younger self It's like, I love being 67 years old. It's like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm better. I really am better than I've ever been. And it's like, and you're, and it's really interesting when you're saying that about the ideas like, okay, well, what, what, so what are you in denial of the declines? So we are like, I don't think so. No, I think that, you know, I'm sure I am. We'll, we'll I'll find those things along the way too. But but the, the, the idea is there, are, it is a deeper experience. And I want to just go back and just say something, Patrick, this, it may seem like a smaller thing, but maybe it doesn't. But here's what I love about what you talked about with your dad and his friend. I love that your dad bought him, got him this, the, the walking stick. I see. I I love the fact that we can, you know, because men, you know, notoriously are not good at supporting each other and being real. It's like just doing something as simple as that is is that's that's the perfect place for that for that stick to come from, from his from his good friend. It's like here, you might need to lean on this. You know, he's very thoughtful. Yeah, I love
3: that. And that's you, Patrick. I see that in you too, man. You have that thoughtfulness. Yeah, too. well no right um, on right on Tom.
0: That's and look what you said before. I look back at the books that I have written in the past and through through the lens of emotional sobriety. And, and I love the fact that you pointed it out when we were telling the story the other night at your book release uh, uh, zoom party uh, that that the the time we met I mean we, we'd met before but the time we did that accidental workshop the first time you said hey Tom that was actually emotional sobriety on your part because you because you just kind of let go of what you know what the expectation was and and joined in and and did this and I love that but I I re- I'm reading my stuff through those these lenses and going Going, wow, that's the, this that's really this really is a pa- the path I've been on for a long while, and it's like okay. it just seems like you know, knowing you, working with you, is is putting that together for me uh, in a way that I've never had it before.
2: Yeah, so I love cool, it, man.
3: I mean, I've, yeah. I I see that, and I love how that how that's all kind of you know coming together for you because it's doing the same thing for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at some of the stuff I was thinking about earlier. I didn't have. The framework I have today to, to be able to integrate these thoughts and ideas and experiences and, and it does really make a lot of sense. Just one more thing before we end this show. Mm. You know, every life, every person's life is worth a novel. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. You know, there are millions mm-hmm. and millions of novels can be written. And that's what I love what you did when you shared us a few chapters from your novel, when you were talking about, Mm -hmm. and your relationship Mm -hmm. with him Mm -hmm. and the trip to Hawaii. It's Mm -hmm. etched in my consciousness now. I can see you guys sitting up at that bar, Mm -hmm. getting hammered Mm -hmm. and and having a hell of a time as as you go and not knowing what the hell is going to happen when you get there. And it didn't matter. Didn't because care. You are <laughs> totally living in the here and now. I mean, you're totally yeah. living
0: in the here and now. Yep. Yeah. We didn't even come home when we were supposed to come home. We just That's didn't right. come home.
3: No, <laughs> you didn't come home. I mean, but that there was a spontaneity to that. There was a yeah. lot of, you know, when you look at that, you know, you see there's elements of a well-lived life, even in those times in our life, yeah. even during yeah. those periods of time.
0: Now, what you just said about the writing and stuff, like if it's with the life experiences, too, is is we have a framework that the, and we real I realize and I don't and I'm not claiming to know the, the that the think that there's there's an order in the universe that, that makes this on purpose. But you're right. You look we look back and we have a place to put these things now. Yes it's, 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 it's like, Oh, wow. This, I, I, this thing, because you could be talking about emotional sobriety and in my mind goes to something I wrote in earning your own respect or self-forgiveness handbook. I go, Oh, that's where that goes. Yes. That's what that is. It's like, and I love the fact that th- that that stuff is we're i mean and this is one of the things that you and I always talk about in this process is how much how we have this in common. We're just fascinated by what we do and, and the fact and grateful that we get to do this for a living. It's amazing
3: right on so true and i i i uh, I, I really enjoy the tapestry of emotional sobriety you and I are creating. Mm. I said that in my in my introduction the other day is that mm-hmm. you know where i'm weaving this tapestry but i'm not doing it alone man there's a lot of threads that you have put into this tapestry that we're weaving together is the way i think about it and this podcast Thanks. is a real testimony to how even that changed from start right here to what are we doing let's just call it emotional sobriety let's call, which is what let's call it what it is that's right and, and that's what you that's what you said we just need to pivot on this thing al come on we're talking about this all over the place how come we're not bringing that into our podcast which we did and i'm I'm so grateful yep. for Tom. Great show today. I, I, I feel your loss. I, I feel, feel what you're going through, man. I'm here for
0: you. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for your, for your being, for being there. Love you, Tom.
1: Thank you, Patrick. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then we glass and hand and children no one. Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us My old friend Till it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again. With glass in hand and children on me. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me.